This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to People Talk. People Talk is about getting ahead at work, becoming a leader, establishing your personal brand, and motivating yourself and those around you. Hosted by Angela Hall, who has decades of experience working in the field of human resources, you can expect lively discussions about topics like workplace politics, dealing with difficult employees and clients, creating an inclusive workplace, and jump-starting your career. Here's your host, Angela Hall. This is Angela Hall, and welcome to another episode of People Talk. People Talk is where we talk about all things related to your career, leadership, balancing work and family, and anything um, related to making it through life. And thanks for joining me today. So, you know, I was thinking about past topics that I've talked about, and I said, you know, this is kind of interesting. I haven't even talked about accountability. If you were to um, Google my name or put it in Google Scholar, we nerdy um, faculty like to do that, um, and you put employee accountability or felt accountability, I'd be the probably one of the first people that came up. So that is something where my area of expertise is. I've been studying accountability for most of the past um, 20 years. Um, I use uh, accountability as a lens to look at other types of organizational phenomena like diversity, legal claiming. That means whether your employees will sue you or invoke their rights vis-a-vis you, workplace stress. And so I'm thinking, wow, it's about time that I talk about accountability. So let's talk about accountability. So there are many different ways of thinking about accountability, but in management, and um, human resources and organizational psychology, we like to look at accountability as being a subjective phenomenon. And you're like, Angela, what do you mean by a subjective phenomenon? What is that all about? What that means is that accountability is something that is your perception of accountability versus what's written down on an actual um, employee handbook, or in your job description, or any type of protocol that you may have at work. And the reason why is this, you may have two people who have the very same job, work for the very same boss, and they may interpret what they do at work very differently. I'm gonna say that again. So you can have two people who have this very same job, title, position description, uh, have the very same boss, and they may interpret their accountabilities very differently. And you know what? Maybe they're both right. The reason why is that we have some type of level of um, discretion oftentimes in how we do our work. But more importantly, is that um, we as human beings um, are motivated, we act not based on reality, but on our perceptions of reality. So let me say that one more time too. If we as human beings um, operate on our perceptions of reality, not reality itself. So if my husband were to run in um, the room I'm in and he said, fire, fire, get out, get, get out, there's a fire. What would I do? I would run out. I would you know, grab people, 
pets, get, you know, try to get the pets out, call 911. I would act as though there's a fire. And he would say, let's say he said, oh, I was just joking. I'd be mad, right? I'd give him the dirt eye, right? I'd give him the old stink eye. But still, in that moment, I was thinking that there was a fire. And even though there really wasn't a fire, I was acting based on those subjective perceptions. So let's bring that back to the workplace. So I will put myself in this, in this um, example, and I believe that any employee would fit this. There are probably rules, procedures, whatever, that as an employee, you might not know about. Um, if you look at the employee handbook, it's probably the big, it's probably as big as the old fashioned New York City um, phone book with all the different boroughs. You know, it probably could be like uh, three feet high. Plus there are different laws, there are different um, rules. And, there, and, and a lot of times things are um, able to be subject to um, interpretation. So when employees go to work, um, we typically try to to figure out what we need to do. I mean, we may read um, information that's given to us. We may talk to our supervisors. We may talk to our coworkers. We may even talk to clients um, or anyone who has interaction with people who were formerly in that role. But the point is, is that we are trying to do something that we call sense-making. And by sense-making, we're trying to interpret and find a way of understanding what's around us. And a lot of times we do that from mirroring what other people are doing and watching them. One of my favorite, 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 favorite things to talk about when I um, am doing speeches or when I'm talking to my grad students um, or even writing papers is to talk about um, the Hawthorne studies. And the Hawthorne study is actually done in the 1930s at um, a Westinghouse plant. And, you know, this is like, we're thinking like, this is the 1930s, they're in the Great Depression, and we had some scholars that came in. And these scholars um, decided that we're gonna kind of, I don't wanna say mess with these people's minds, for lack of a better word, mess with these people's minds. So what they did was um, they would make the place really, really, really bright, the assembly line. And other times they would make the, the light very, 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 very um, low. Or they would speed up the assembly line and other times they would slow down the assembly line. And what the researchers found is no matter what they did, the um, employee's productivity, at least for the short term, improved. So that was one finding of the Westinghouse study or the Hawthorne studies. The second thing was that they found out, and a lot of people don't talk about this in the context of the Hawthorne studies, but I think it's really interesting. Um, people would start work. And you know, the boss will say, I'm just gonna make up some terminology. It, it's been a minute since I've looked at the Hawthorne studies. Um, they would say something like, you need to make 35 widgets a day. And then the, the, the boss would leave. And then another coworker would say, pss, pss, pss. hey, buddy, you know, we're not gonna make 35. We're gonna make 36 or 37 because this is a great job. We're in the depression. People, you know, they treat us pretty well because um, the, this plant was cutting edge, it actually gave people one week of vacation off a year. And in that time, it was considered to be that they paid well and they treated people well. So they're like, we're not gonna mess this up. Now we don't wanna make 40 a day because that's like too hard. And we're never gonna go underneath the like the 35 number, never, ever, ever, ever. So um, they found out that being told those things by the coworkers, 
and the social pressure that they had was more effective in predicting um, how hard or how productive these employees are going to work than actually what the boss told them. So let me tie this back to accountability. What we know of accountability is that people interpret it. You get the information from other people, you may observe, or it may be your own personal morals, ethics, things like that. Let me give you an example. Um, it also could be part of your personality. You ever had that one person, whether it's a customer service representative, it was a server, it was somebody, they just went the extra mile to help you. And you know what, it may be a situation where they would never get any type of credit for it. I remember we traveled out of town once to take my daughter to see a specialist and um, she got really sick in the hotel room. She needed something to eat and um, she had some other issues. The, the hotel staff were just amazing and they were not doing that in my mind because they felt like, oh, uh, Angela's gonna tell their boss or Angela's gonna give them some money. They did that because that, that's internal to them or it could be part of a culture that they have where they feel like they really have to go the extra mile or they may feel some sense of pride in doing that. But what the notion of accountability, specifically the subjective aspect of accountability means that there's wiggle room in how people interpret them. Um, so the people that I found at the hotel, they were very, very helpful when my daughter was really sick. On the flip side, I could have come across someone who said, you know what, I'm just going to do my job. And maybe they have a, let's say they might have a wheat culture in that, that a hotel that doesn't really emphasize customer service. Or let's say it was a situation where that person, just their values were such that, you know what, I'm just going to do my job, keep my nose down and not overextend myself, right? So why I spent so much time talking about this is to know that um, in employers, managers, bosses, they have to realize a few things. They need to be very clear about who and what they have as gatekeepers of accountability. Meaning, for example, you need to tell your employees things like, um, you know, be very clear about deliverables and goals. You need to uh, practice modeling and engage in the type of behaviors that you want your employees to um, engage in, right? It's one thing if you say, oh, I want everyone here at nine o'clock in the morning and the, the boss strolls in at 9, 15, 9.30 or whenever. That does not model the right type of behavior. Another thing that's very, very important is that um, I like to say that I, I have siblings. Uh, I only have one child, but I don't have, but I have, but I have multiple siblings. And the situation is that, you know, you have to parent every child differently. It's to some extent that you have to parent um, or you have to supervise or manage employees differently. And I'm not saying playing favorites, but some may require more time, more explanation, more handholding to be able to understand. And as such, you may have to do more work to have people understand their accountability. And you need to make sure that people are on the same page because people can read and um, they can uh, manage their accountabilities very differently. Another thing is just because someone has done something for a long time, doesn't mean they've done it right. Um, the classic example that I like to give is about my husband. This is a personal example, but uh, it can really still be relevant with respect to the workplace. So when our daughter was born, 
she was cranky and colicky. She had a lot of undiagnosed medical problems and it was just so difficult. So I used to say, you know what, when you're home, if there's a diaper to be changed, you change the diaper because I'm the person who stays up all night with her. So you're going to have to be the person to do that. So when she turned about nine months old, I finally said to my husband, I said, Harry, can you tell me why you put her diaper on backwards? And he said, I was putting it on backwards. I didn't know I was putting it on backwards. And he said, why didn't you tell me? And I said, well, I thought maybe you read something that said they controlled leaks or whatever. It makes them smarter. Uh, they can do somersaults if you turn it on back or, or put it on backwards. I don't know. But I never questioned him. So because I wasn't giving him feedback about his performance and he was assuming he was doing something right. It's the same thing about people's accountability. You need as a manager to be able to give people feedback to see if they're living up to their accountabilities and don't assume that people know that what their accountabilities are or that they're interpreting them the same way. I have um, been a faculty member now for, I'm, I'm going into my, um, I'm well into my second decade of being a faculty member. And I have been in situations where I've worked with some faculty, you know, the same job title them, and, and they said, okay, this is what I do. I research, I teach, and I do some service, but I really, 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 really enjoy the teaching. And you know what? The other things are just gonna have to go by the wayside. And um, that, that, but yet we get evaluated for those three things. I've seen people who put more or less value in other aspects of their job. Now, part of that is normal. We as human beings, um, are attracted to do the things that we enjoy. Matter of fact, there's a very long, um, there's a, a, a stream of research on something called job crafting. And I'm gonna do an upcoming podcast on job crafting. And that's the extent to which people manage their, 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 their work. They volunteer for certain opportunities. They're known as a person who does a great job in doing X. And because of that, people constantly go to them to do this. And so they start doing more of the stuff they like and the things that they're strong in and less of the things that they don't like and they are uh, not as strong in, right? So it's very, very important though, even though you know people uh, engage in some job crafting and that's normal and healthy, um, but, but to make sure that people really know what their accountabilities are. Something else that employees and uh, employers really need to know is that we do need accountability. I like to call it the, um, the um, basis of social order. And really, I borrowed that from some other researchers who said that in the past, so I, 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 didn't come, I didn't come up with that brilliant statement. But meaning that if we don't have accountability, people will feel free to do whatever they want, whenever they want. And because of that, you know, things can get all crazy. Um, we, in organizations, organizations by the very nature um, are, are interdependent and meaning that we do things and work together. And because of that, what I do affects somebody else. So if I don't live up to my accountabilities, that makes it very difficult for the next person to live up to their accountabilities. So it's important that we're all living up to accountabilities. Um, the second reason why it's um, necessary is that if there's no accountability for like, for example, the person who's gonna pick up my, my, um, my trash that I don't know if it's gonna be there or my mail is gonna be delivered or there's gonna be um, paper for the photocopier. 
I can't plan, I can't do. And then all types of social order just breaks down, right? So, and something that you see a lot or read about a lot about the newspaper is that oftentimes when there is a scandal or whether it be in education, whether it be in politics, whether it be in government or particularly, and you hear this a lot in business, people like to say, oh, it's a lack, there's a lack of accountability. We need more accountability. But the thing about accountability is that accountability is not a panacea for all the ills in the workplace. Um, it definitely is not a panacea. Um, the reason why um, accountability is not a cure-all is because just keeping more accountability on people doesn't make them um, happier or more productive or more ethical. There is actually a sweet spot that there that occurs when you're talking about accountability, meaning that if I keep on applying pressure to people, at some point they start to break. And so, um, what in the in the the notion of this is really talked a lot about in the stress literature. And it's interesting that the term stress, when we talk about stress, we think about psychological stress, it actually comes from the engineering term, which is pressure you put on the surface. And engineers are always really concerned about stress points where things are gonna break. And human beings, we have a mental stress point, right? And so there's something called the Yerkes-Dodson law. I love that, the Yerkes-Dodson law. And what Yerkes-Dodson says is that you need to apply some pressure to your workers or to yourself um, so that you're motivated, so that you don't stay in bed, so that you can turn things in on time, so that you know what you're supposed to do, so other people can rely on you. So you need to do some level of pressure and heaping on accountabilities, but at some point that there, you've reached the top of the, the mountain, and when you start do, uh, putting more and more accountabilities on people, what happens at that point is that their performance actually starts to decrease. Their performance starts to decrease. And by that, um, they start getting stressed out, they get very confused, they start messing up. And so we need to know that managers need to be able to read employees, be able to do, um, to be able to have um, open conversations, to be able to track their performance. So when they realize when people are, are, uh, are reaching that point where they're going to have that decline in performance, and we call that the Yerkes-Dotson law. Um, one last thing that I would like to talk about to wrap up in our conversation about accountability, and I'm going to call this accountability uh, part one because there's so much to talk about accountability. I've been studying accountability for 20 years, and um, everything I can say about accountability cannot just fit in one podcast. Uh, is that we know that you need to figure out what type of accountability people are accountable, uh, accountable for. And two main categories of accountability is process accountability, how you do things, and outcome accountability, what you do. And process accountability has been associated in most of the studies out there, like, like almost all of them, with increased performance, increased ethics, doing the right thing, increased customer service, um, and higher outcomes. People who are only accountable for outcome accountability, that means the bottom line, 
what you do. I mean, I mean, like the, just the end, not how you do it, but what it, what you do. Like, I don't care how you do it. Um, increase the sales. I don't care how you do it. Um, reduce costs. People start doing things like lying to customers, cooking the books, um, dumping that hazardous waste behind the school instead of paying for it to be um, uh, responsibly and environmentally appropriately disposed of. Those are the things that folks do when you keep on a lot of outcome accountability in most studies. Now, there are some little variations of that, which I will go into in another podcast, but that is something that is um, really, really important to think about. So you want to more emphasize with your employees how you do something rather than the means, the ends justify the means, because when you only set, um, when you only emphasize like results, 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 you create a culture where employees are going to think of, you know what, doesn't matter how I do things, just as long as the bottom line is served, and that is a recipe for disaster. And so on this note, I am going to um, end this episode of People Talk. I really, really appreciate you all um, listening in. And I want right now to tell you a little bit something about CXM Radio. We have some really, really good stuff on CXM Radio, including um, Press One for Nick. Um, we have my very um, great and wonderful uh, colleagues, um, uh, Bob and Tom. They have um, a, sh a show. And we have all of this amazing things that we have on um, this uh, on CXM radio. Also, uh, please be on the lookout for um, later this month because we are having a um, live webinar. It is free for anybody who would like to um, join up for it. And it's hosted by CXM. And we are going to be doing one on diversity, um, equity, and inclusion. And I'm going to be doing it along with my um, colleague, Jakaya. And she is at Accenture and she's gonna report on some research. And also we're going to have my other colleague, um, Enza, who's gonna be moderating it. So please listen out for this upcoming webinar um, series. It is gonna be, um, uh, uh, I shouldn't say series, but event that is going to be um, coming up soon um, on CXM Radio. And also you can find information on LinkedIn at the CXFM website, which I think will be um, amazing. So um, write down September 22nd on your calendars uh, for that, uh, for our first of many CXFM podcasts. And with that, I will end. Um, and as always, take care and be well. Thanks for listening to another episode of People Talk with Angela Hall. If you enjoyed today's episode, Please share it with your friends and colleagues and remember to subscribe to our show. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.